Hi, best friends. I'm Tabby. And I'm Caitlin. And today we are doing another segment of Too Long Didn't Read. We are discussing A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And this was one of the wildest books I've ever read. It's a it's short 93 book. pages of just offensive language towards women and poor people. <laughs> um, yeah. And we'll kind of uh, discuss that a little bit further because, like, you know, I don't. I don't know much about Charles Dickens, but I think that was um, on purpose. Rouge's particular lens. But yeah, I'm going to start off by just reading the little blurb on Goodreads. So it says, to bitter, miserly Ebenezer Scrooge, Christmas is just another day. But all of that changes when the ghost of his long dead business partner appears, warning Scrooge to change his ways before it's too late. Um, so we're just going to start off with the synopsis of this book. Do you want to kick it off, Tab? Yeah. So this book is broken up into five staves or five parts. Um, so I'll start with stave one. Um, so the book opens by telling us that Marley is for sure dead. And it says it like 12 times that he is, he is so dead. in fact dead. So, so dead. Um, Marley was Scrooge's business partner and Scrooge is described as a covetous and cold old man. And nobody <laughs> approaches him in the street, not even beggars, but Scrooge prefers it that way. On Christmas Eve, Scrooge sat in the office of his counting house with a big warm fire while his clerk froze in the other room. He had just a piece of coal that he lit <laughs> on fire for warmth. Um, and his cheerful nephew comes in to wish him a Merry Christmas. And Scrooge says, bah humbug, our little grumpy king. Um, Scrooge is like, why are you so cheery? You're poor. Like, you have no reason to be happy at all. Um, and his nephew is like, okay, then why are you so grouchy? You're rich. And they kind of have like this back and forth. And Scrooge continues to complain about all the things Mary while his nephew protests. And Scrooge declines his nephew's invitation to come over for Christmas, even though he asks him every single year. And he always says, no. And he no, just I keeps won't. asking. Persistent. We love that. When his nephew leaves, two other people come in and they ask Scrooge to donate to the poor. Scrooge refuses, saying that the poor can go to prison or to the union workhouses to survive. And if you don't know anything about workhouses, they are like super dangerous, like dirty places that people could like go looking for work. And basically, if you started working there, like you're pretty much guaranteed to die on the job. We're talking like chimney sweeps. Yeah. Like this is written at a time when the poor people (laughs) were so truly, truly poor. (laughs) Yeah. Like they had to take on the absolute worst, like street sweepers, like, like the lamp lighters. Like they're just inhaling cancer left and right. Yeah. They didn't live past 40. Certainly. No way. Scrooge also complains about his clerk taking the day off for Christmas, insists that he shows up early the day after to make up for it, and after closing the counting house, Scrooge goes home. Um, He lives in the room which had once belonged to his business partner, Marley, which I thought was very weird. I did too. I was like, were you lovers or... Dude, I actually wrote that down. I'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, because I think they were. But um, nobody lives in the building except for Scrooge. All the other rooms were being leased as offices, and it's just really gross and run down. Yeah. Um, and when Scrooge arrived at the front door, he sees Marley's face in the door knocker. Um, he was startled, but the illusion disappeared and he went about his night. He definitely pretended that he wasn't scared because nothing bothers Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, and as he goes up the wide staircase with only his candle for light, he thought he saw a locomotive hearse going up before him. He assumes that he is just spooked from imagining Marley's face, so he checks all the other rooms for intruders before double-locking himself in his bedroom, just in case. 
Um, he tries to relax by the fire, but again sees Marley's face and the tiles around him. He tries to shake the feeling, but notices a disused communication bell beginning to swing. The bell rings loudly along with all the other bells in the home. Once the bell stop, he hears a clanking noise as if someone were dragging a heavy chain along. He hears the sound of the cellar door flying open as the chains drag up the stairs to his door. Marley's ghost walks in through Scrooge's bedroom door, and Scrooge sees that the chain around his waist is made of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and a heavy purse wrought in steel. Scrooge proceeds to argue with Marley's ghost that he isn't real in an attempt to maintain his composure because he's like, no, bad things don't happen to rich people. And then the ghost finds him again and asks if he believes now. And um, Scrooge, de- oh yeah, because he's got like a really gross face. Like <laughs> he like, basically he has like off. a bandage like wrapped around the bottom half of his face, and he takes it off, and his jaw falls off. And Scrooge is like, okay, okay, you're real. <laughs> like oh, for sure, for sure, that did it for me. Um, so the ghost finds him again, and Scrooge does believe him, but asks why the ghost has come to him. So the ghost replies that it is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. So basically, what he's saying is that if they don't do good deeds and acts of services in their real life, then they're doomed to live life as like a spirit just wandering aimlessly. So Scrooge, who's being a little little bit of a smart ass, is like, why are you still doing that seven years after your death? Shouldn't ghosts be able to travel pretty quickly? Then the ghost again explains that he was a piece of shit and has a lot of redeeming to do. He's got a lot of self-redemption. And he says, at this time of the rolling year, I suffer most. Why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise men to a poor abode? He tells Scrooge, I am here tonight to warn you that you have yet a chance of hope of escaping my fate. Barley explains that Scrooge will be haunted by three spirits. The first time tomorrow when the bell tolls one, the second the next night at the same hour, and the third on the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. Marley leaves and Scrooge goes right to bed, falls into a deep sleep. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm beat after that. Yeah, that <laughs> today drained me. <laughs> today drained me and I'm ready to just get all cozy and cuddly in my bed. So that brings us to stave two. So Scrooge wakes up in darkness and the church bell signifies that it's 12. So he's like absolutely shook because it was well past two when he went to bed. So that means that he would have slept through an entire day. So he spends an entire like 45 minutes debating whether or not Marley's ghost was all a dream. And finally, the bell chimes one and the his bed curtains. So back in the day, people like had these curtains up around their bed, um, which is super not safe. <laughs> it's not. Uh, but like it was, I, I guess I don't know why that was like a thing to do. I think that was like a sign of like well because it's like i can sleep in past the sunrise i like, can afford bed curtains and you cannot because you are poor i guess but anyway the curtains of his bed are drawn aside by a spirit and he's like oh okay so it was real so he introduces himself as the ghost of christmas past and he's like in appearance he's like a he's like funky a small old man um but also <laughs> with women's hands but strong legs and a feminine yeah, waist <laughs> it's very interesting um he has a culmination of many features, and the ghost offers his hand. They pass through the wall into an open country road, and Scrooge is like, oh, this is the place where I grew up. 
So they pass by children playing in the street and the ghost explains, these are but shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. They go to the schoolhouse that Scrooge attended to see young Scrooge reading all alone near a feeble fire. Scrooge pities the lonely younger version of himself and regrets ignoring a boy who sang a Christmas carol at his door the night before. The ghost takes them forward to another Christmas and young Scrooge is pacing the abandoned schoolhouse again because like everyone's gone home for the holidays except for him. Um, And then his sister comes in. She tells him she's been sent to take him home for good. And so they watch as he and his sister ride off together and the ghost says that his sister was delicate but had a large heart and Scrooge agrees. And I was like, that's nice. That's Um, good. (laughs) We also learned that this sister is the mother of the nephew that scrooge was ignoring at the beginning also i guess deceased yes and dead (laughs) so they travel forward again to when scrooge was an apprentice for a man named fezziwig um so fezziwig is kind of like a stark contrast to scrooge as a boss so he fezziwig in this memory is insisting that scrooge and his other fellow apprentice named dick stop working immediately because they need to prepare for a christmas eve ball So they hurry up, get things all ready for people to come over. They all enjoy the evening together. Um, And then as they're leaving, the Fezziwigs are all wishing their guests a Merry Christmas. And everyone's like having a great time. Um, The ghost asks if anything is the matter. And Scourge says, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That's all. So he's feeling a little bit guilty for how he behaves as a boss. And then they flash forward again. And Scrooge is sitting by a young girl in a morning dress. She tells Scrooge that she has been replaced by a golden idol. He argues there's nothing wrong with his pursuit of wealth because he only wishes to avoid the harshness of poverty. And she tells him that their contract that they made was back when they were both poor and content to be so. She says he was a different man back then and continues on to say that she's releasing him from his obligation to her. And she wishes him happiness in the life that he has chosen. Um, And that upsets Scrooge, like real real present tense Scrooge real bad he's like god damn why are you torturing me so he begs the ghost to show him no more the ghost does take him to one more shadow of the past Scrooge sees the girl who had left him who is now a matron laughing with her children her husband knocks at the door with Christmas presents and the family joyously greets him he tells her I saw an old friend of yours I saw an old friend of yours this afternoon and said that he saw Scrooge hold up all alone in his office on Christmas Eve So he begs the ghost, like, again, please take me home. This is upsetting. (laughs) And they return to his bedroom and he just drifts off back to La La Land again. And the way he describes their children was freaking sending me. He's like, who are these freaking ragamuffin, ugly ass kids just jumping on you? Like, it couldn't be me. Couldn't not. They are so loud and so misbehaved. I hate it. He was like, one child is making the noise of 40 children right now. I know. But then like the one girl that like looks like her mom, he was like, but not you, you beautiful, precious angel. That could have been mine. And now he's like, you're kind of bad though, girl. It's like (laughs) gross. Setting the table because she's in the same like breath that he's like, I wish you were my daughter. Yeah. Like it's, it's pretty um, interesting. (laughs) You're upset, Scrooge. I'm upset. (laughs) So this brings us to stave three. So Scrooge wakes again right before one o'clock. He pulls open all of his bed curtains and waits for the next spirit. When the bell struck one, no ghost appeared before him and he decides to get up. 
but as soon as he touches the door, a voice calls him by name to enter. He enters what appears to be his room, but it's full of Christmas decorations and a feast. And that goes on for about three pages of them I describing know. the food. Um, it's a whole big shindig that they're having with lots of good food. And the ghost and he doesn't of- get to eat any of it. No, he doesn't get to touch any of it. It just disappears. So the ghost of Christmas present tells Scrooge to touch his robe and they are transported to the city streets on Christmas morning. The people around them are joyous and bustling to the church when the bells ring. At the same time, many people carry their dinners into the baker's shop and the ghost sprinkled incense on their dinners from his torch. Um, Scrooge is like, hey, why is it that you seek to close these places on the seventh day? And the ghost is like, pardon? And because he's blessing, like, all their shit, too. Like, that's what the incense is for. And Scrooge is like, sorry if I'm wrong. Um, It's been done in your name, or at least in that of your family. And the spirit says, there are some upon this earth of yours who lay claim to know us and who do their deeds of passion, pride, ill will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness in our name. Remember that and charge their doings on themselves, not us. Okay. Mic drop. Mic drop, queen. The ghost then takes Scrooge to his clerk, Bob Cratchit's home, and Scrooge is shocked to learn that he has 15 children because he only pays the man 15 shillings a week. Yeah, because you're a little cheap ass. He sees... That's a lot of fucking kids. <laughs> um, he sees Mrs. Cratchit laying the table with her children. A couple of the younger kids come in late and their mother tells them to warm by the fire. Bob comes in with tiny Tim upon his shoulder, whose limbs are supported by iron braces. I also can't discern how old this child actually is. So I'm like assuming he's less than 10. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not positive. Because also like they kept referring to like the really young kids, but then Tiny Tim was not one of the young kids. So I'm assuming he's older than the young kids. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure. So the family enjoys their feast together and gathers around the hearth for a toast. Bob says, a Merry Christmas to all, my dears. God bless us. And then Tim, Tiny Tim says, God bless us, everyone. So sweet. Cute. What a good kid. They said he is like very wise beyond his years. No, he says strange things in church. I'm thinking of <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, Bran from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, just saying weird shit, but everyone's like, "Oh, like oh, he's so smart." Scrooge asks the ghost if Tiny Tim will live, and the spirit replies that if the shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. Which, first of all, I'm like, he must have been very not well off for him to be like, "Is he gonna been- make it?" <laughs> I think he was looking real frail, probably. They did describe his hand as withered. That's why I'm like, is it like a Benjamin Button type situation? <laughs> is he looking like like old and decrepit, like in his iron braces? Like, who I, is this child? I don't know, because like, and I'm going <laughs> to like talk about this more later, but like in the Disney version, like. It's like a I child. Yeah, he's just like, he's got a crutch, but he's fine. <laughs> he's like, this This child simply will not make it another day. <laughs> But then again, it is like 1843. True. Yeah. Like a harsh wind could knock over a Victorian child. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> so the ghost throws Scrooge's earlier words back at him saying, what then? If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Pulled a real Ron Swanson earlier and was like, no, we need another plague. <laughs> um, so the ghost continues on. Will you decide what men shall live and what men shall die? It may be that in the sight of heaven, you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Scrooge continues to hang his head in shame until he hears Bob say his name, thanking him for their Christmas feast. 
Mrs. Cratchit says that she wishes Scrooge was there that, so that she could tear him a new one. She concedes and drinks to his health for her husband's sake. The children drink the toast after her, but all seem glum to do so. The family then returns to their celebrations until the ghost makes the vision disappear. They walk the dark, snowy street together, observing celebrations through people's windows, and suddenly the ghost transports them to a deserted moor. Scrooge asks where they are, and the ghost tells him a place where miners live who labor in the bowels of the earth. They pass through the wall of a small hut and find a family singing Christmas songs. The ghost then takes Scrooge out to sea, where two lighthouse keepers sat at a fire and toasted each other a Merry Christmas. The ghost then sped, speeds onto a ship where every man on the crew hummed a Christmas tune or spoke fondly of their Christmas memories. Scrooge then hears his nephew's laugh, and he tells his wife how his uncle Scrooge said that Christmas was a humbug. Um, and then, like, gives the most aggressively terrible description of his wife. Um, but we'll talk again about this later. I'm going to read it word for word. Don't you worry. He's like, damn, how did he manage to bag this hottie? She's like, <laughs> just okay, I guess. Like, not what I would choose. But, <laughs> like, you know, for his status in life, she's all right. He's like, good um, for him. Yeah. His nephew says he's a comical old fellow. However, his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him. Um, his nephew continues on to say that he will invite him to dinner every Christmas because he pities him and his loneliness. Scrooge watches them celebrate with music and games and finds that he's enjoying himself. The spirit takes him to visit many more cheerful homes until he notices that the spirit has aged. Our spirit so sh five so short, asks Scrooge. My life upon this globe is very brief, replied the ghost. It ends tonight. Scrooge also notices something protruding from the ghost's robes. From the foldings of its robes, it brought two children, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. And I was like, wow, that is aggressive again. This uh, is my this least <laughs> favorite stave, I'll tell you what. Yeah, whew. The spirit says this boy is ignorance, this girl is want. Beware them both in all their degree, but most of all beware this boy, for on his brow I see that written which is doom, unless the writing erased, unless the writing be erased, deny it. Deny it! When, deny it! <laughs> when, when Scrooge asks whether they have no refuge or resource, the ghost again throws his earlier words back at him, saying, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? The clock struck 12 and the ghost was gone. And as the last stroke ceased to vibrate, he saw a hooded phantom approaching him. Also, I think it's so funny how when he's taking him to like different places, like in a hut and stuff, like it reminded me of like the, all the um, groups that would sing about like Africa and stuff at Christmas. Oh my gosh. Do yes. We are the world. Christmas. Oh, that one. Oh, okay. The one that's specifically Christmas. No, literally any of them. That is so true. It's like one of those horrible like montage music videos of like third world countries. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought Except of. Except in 1843, everywhere was like that. Right. <laughs> everywhere was horrible. Um. So, yeah, that brings us to stave four, where the ghost of Christmas future just absolutely fills Scrooge with dread from the get go. Like he is scared of this ghost. The ghost is not speaking, which adds to the creepiness. And the ghost just like points and all of a sudden they're in the city and the ghost is like pointing at a group of businessmen and Scrooge is like, OK, I'm going to listen to what they're saying. So they're all standing around talking about the death of someone. It's Scrooge's death. But this man is apparently... He is either, ignorant. <laughs> he is ignorant or he's like heavily in denial because he does not understand they're talking about 
his death. But they're all talking about like, oh, maybe we should volunteer to go to the funeral since no one will want to. And one of them's like, I'll go if there's lunch. And it's just like nobody wants to be around this man. So then they continue into a rundown beetling shop, which I had to look up. It's like something to do with linens. And they see an older man who's about 70 years old. And then Scrooge and the ghost watch as two women and a man walk in. And then they all like laugh upon realizing what they're all doing there because they're all there to help themselves to the belongings that Scrooge left behind. So one of them says, who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. Then they just continue to absolutely roast him for being a jerk and then divide out all of his possessions. It's amazing. Which was also funny, too, because when they walked in, he's like, wow, they're all so ugly. Yes, he's he is so obsessed with how ugly all these poor people are that that is what takes up the bulk of these 93 pages are just descriptions of how ugly their clothes food. are, their nasty food, their rundown houses like he is absolutely trashing these poor people. He's um, like, couldn't be me. And then the ghost takes him to a really dark, creepy bedchamber and he sees that there is something laying in the bed that's covered up. And Scrooge is like, mm. Uh, no. And the ghost just points at the head. And Scrooge is like, nope, I'm not taking that sheet off. Absolutely not. Please, I've learned my lesson. Take me home. But the ghost continues to point. And so Scrooge is straight up begging the ghost. He is like, please, if there is anyone in this town who feels some kind of emotion due to this man's death, show that person to me. And so the ghost is like, bet. So he reveals a mother and her children. The mother's pacing, waiting for someone to get home. At last, her husband comes home. She's like, what news do you have for me? Like, spill. Spill the tea, bestie. And he, this man is ashamed for feeling joyful, but he is a little excited because the man who died is who they owe a bunch of debt to. And he's like, it's okay. We can sleep with light hearts tonight. So the emotion that they were feeling towards this death was really- It was joy. (laughs) So Scrooge is like, okay, ghost, please just show me some sort of tenderness connected with a death or I will forever be haunted by this horrible memory. So the ghost takes him to the Cratchit's house and the children are telling their mother how worried they are about their father. Um, Their father, Bob, arrives home and the family all rises to greet him. Bob is soon overcome with grief as he tells his family how green and beautiful the cemetery is where tiny tim is going to be buried so bob collects himself he's dying (laughs) he's dying or dead at this point i'm not sure which um bob collects himself to gather with his family because he he fell apart but he's like all right i gotta be strong for the rest of the kids and then he goes and he tells his family how he ran into scrooge's nephew who kindly offered his condolences so tiny tim has already passed And he's like, if your family needs anything, please let me know. So Bob is like, wow, Scrooge's nephew is a real stand-up guy. Scrooge senses that his time with the ghost is nearly over. So he asks to confirm who it was lying dead in the dark chambers. Um, Because again, our guy, he just does not want to. He's like, I just can't even guess who this could be. (laughs) Why are they bringing my nephew into this? (laughs) Uh, Scrooge asks why the ghost is pointing away from his house he's like our house is this way bestie and the ghost is like nope we're going to the cemetery so they get to a cemetery and the ghost is pointing to a grave and Scrooge is like I do not want to look at that I actually can't read (laughs) he's like until you tell me whether or not these things are changeable I cannot look at that grave (laughs) 
So he says, are these the shadows of things that will be or are the shadows of things that may be only? But the ghost just continues to point. His hand is unwavering and Scrooge says, men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which, if preserved in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. But the spirit still does not budge. Scrooge sees his name upon the grave. He asks the ghost if it was him who lay upon the bed. He just cannot put this puzzle together. He's like, wait, that was <laughs> were me? They, were they bad-mouthing me? Outside? Not. Were they stealing my shit? Were they stealing my blanket that someone removed from my corpse? <laughs> no. Um, Scrooge, at this point, he is begging for forgiveness. He's like, please, I can change. And then the ghost's hand finally begins to shake. He says, assure me that I may yet change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. Scrooge promises to honor Christmas in his heart and accept the lessons that these spirits have taught him. As he prays for his fate, he actually grabs the ghost's hand finally, but the ghost like pulls it away from him, which I'm going to talk about Yeah, he's like, don't don't fucking touch me. Um, But then the ghost just like disappears and Scrooge is in his bed. uh, The ghost (laughs) turns into a bedpost. He's like, oh, bet. Um, (laughs) So then we get to the final stave, stave five. Um, Scrooge jumps out of his bed and praises the spirits and Jacob Marley. He runs around his house to find everything as it was the night that Marley's ghost visited him. He was so stoked that his bed curtains were, in fact, still there. Yeah. He's like, he's like, thank God. That is what I was so worried about. Like, I've not been looted and pillaged. (laughs) Um, So he opens the window to find a sunny morning, which I'm going to talk about. Um, And he calls down to a boy to ask what day it is. And the boy tells him it's Christmas Day. So Marley kind of lied to him. It was not over the span of three days. It was actually just one night. And he asks the boy whether the poulters have yet sold their prize turkey. When the boy confirms that it's still there, Scrooge instructs him to buy it and meet him outside. He goes outside and paid the poulter and a cab to deliver the turkey to the Cratchits. He pays the boy as well for his services. And then Scrooge shaves his face and dresses in his best clothes, which was a whole trial because he was dancing and shaking and jumping. He was so excited. He's having the Um, best time. And as he walked the streets, he greeted those he passed. And they were like, what the fuck? Um, (laughs) They were kind of into it, though. They're like, that guy is smiling, and I like it. Like, all right. Um, On his walk, he encounters the man who had asked about donations. And Scrooge donates a generous amount and asks the gentleman visit him. Scrooge gathers the courage to knock at his nephew's door. And their staff shows Scrooge to the dining room. His nephew and niece were surprised, but they had a wonderful time together along with the rest of the party. Along with the plump sister. Along with the plump sister, and I also forgot that he... Well, I'll talk about it in a second. Uh, so the next morning, <laughs> Scrooge went to work early to beat Bob there. And Bob arrived late and apologized. So Scrooge offered him a raise in his salary. And Scrooge also promises to discuss the affairs of Bob's family that afternoon over lunch. So the story ends by telling us that Scrooge was more than true to his word. He became like a second father to Tiny Tim. He also became a good friend, a good man, a good boss, and celebrated Christmas happily for the rest of his life. So also <laughs> in that part... I'll have to look for it because I was dying the way he like described the Cratchit family. Was it something about how they were all ugly again? Yeah, no, literally. He was talking about like how a family who was not handsome and not oh yeah 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 with like tatters in their clothes could ever be so. And that was like in the last like ten pages of the book. Yeah, 
He's like, wow, I've learned a lot that ugly people can be happy and find love. Oh, I love it. That wraps up the synopsis for A Christmas Carol, A Christmas Classic by Charles Dickens um, that you may or may not have to read in school. So you're welcome. So we're just going to roll right into the next portion since it's a super short story. And as always, we'll kick it off with some ratings and our thoughts on the book. I'll start. Um, I would rate this book a 3.5 out of 5. And here's why. So I think that Dickens was kind of ahead of his time um, in certain aspects, like socially. He tended to be, um, I wouldn't go so far as to say progressive, but less. he tended to be less um, ignorant than a lot of the people um, of of the same, like, we'll say social status and upbringing. He was a white Christian man in England, so he was relatively well off. I'm not saying that, like, he's a hero by any means, but, like, we'll talk a little more about him later. Uh, but this story, at this point, it's obviously been overdone, but, like, that's not his fault, so I'm not going to no. take that off the rating. But, like, yeah. at the same time, Scrooge sucks. Like, we're talking about, like, his growth is, it feels a little bit shallow. It doesn't feel all that impressive because he's still super judgmental. So I gave this book a three. Initially, I'd given it a point three out of five, but I <laughs> bumped that up to a 3.3 because I had to remember that this was not written in modern day. Yeah, you had to um, let your emotions, like, settle. Yeah, I was like, wow, this book sucked, but that's also, it was probably really good when it was written. Maybe, I don't know, hot take. I think people like it for the wrong reasons. And that's probably so true. <laughs> so I I did like the way that it was a social commentary. Um, and I put that it was a commentary on how leaders and influential people do not care about the impoverished because it so rarely affects them until they are nearing their end and realize that they're going to die alone. Yeah. And I think that is really the biggest takeaway from this book is that yeah. Scrooge didn't change because he wanted to. He changed because he was scared of the afterlife. Yes. Um, and if that had not been presented to him, he would have still continued to do that until his literal dying day. Yeah, so that definitely deducts points. Um, because, like, also, this book is only 93 pages. Um, so I think if Dickens had wanted to kind of, like, develop Scrooge a little bit more, he sure could have. But I think it was just a little... Like, he just put together this little story for people to tell. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think he expected it <laughs> to be, like, what it is today. Like, this is the Holy Grail of Christmas stories. Yeah. yeah, no, and I think people, like, read this book and they're like, oh, my God, like, what a testament to, like, redemption and, like, the Christmas spirit and, like, the the time of the year of giving. And, and that's not what this is. Like, No, it's really not. Not that. And, like, even... After he had, like, his come to Jesus with the last ghost, like, he was still, like, up there, like, talking mad shit on people. Yeah, he was still like, yeah, man, I guess they're ugly, but, like, I can learn to be But they nice can't help people. that because they're poor. <laughs> yeah, and, like, also, okay, let's just say this story was written in a way to where Scrooge really did want to change, and he did um, just kind of become a better person through less, um, we'll say, forced means. Scrooge is still like extremely wealthy and it's like yeah like if you have literally a surplus of money like it should be a given that you help people who have who are literally starving to death or have a child that's dying like it shouldn't be like something that we applaud people for doing 
Um, right. He shouldn't have that much money in the first place. So it's like. He only does that because he's <laughs> running like a loan business and he's literally putting people in debt. Yeah, he's like preying on other people, other poor people and making them poorer. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, even if he was like, you know what, I want to change and be a better person. I'm going to start, like, donating money and stuff. Like, how about you just find a new job? Yeah, it's like maybe, <laughs> like, put, like, invest in, like, a, a different business, perhaps. Yeah. Like, one something where like you can, like, employ people. people. <laughs> yeah, like, and pay your employees, which, I mean, he did end up giving Bob a raise. But, again, because he was scared that if he didn't, he was going to. He was like, man, I'm going to be responsible for Tiny Tim's death. And it's like. Yeah. Tiny Tim is the least of our worries here, man. Like and like the fact that he specifically like became I'm only like a father doing figure this for to Tiny Tim. Tim. And he was like, I don't care about any of the other poor people except for Tiny Tim. Like Tiny Tim is what did it for me. He changed <laughs> my life. And it's like, hey man, like, yeah, Tiny Tim is deserving of life and and care, but like what about literally that the rest of the people one in, the, in the millions? <laughs> um Anyway, so we're going to kind of, like, just give a little description of the characters. Um, We'll start with Ebenezer Scrooge. So he is the OG Grinch. Um, Dr. Seuss is not that original. Um, He just can't understand why anyone would want to celebrate Christmas, especially poor people. What do they have to be celebrating? Like, that is, they're ugly. Their houses are gross. poor. They barely have food. Like, what kind of presents can you give when you're poor? What did he say? Oh, oh, they put daring ribbons on their dresses. He was like, wow, yeah. that is a bold fashion statement. I can't say like, I love it. And it does show how poor you are, but good Because for he you was for talking trying. about how they could do it for like only six shillings or something. He was like, oh, yeah, I know the exact price of those ribbons, which I don't know if shillings is the right word. But like, he's like, yeah, they can do that for like six bucks. Like, hell yeah, they're looking fine for six bucks. Balling on a budget, baby. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and again, <laughs> loved his overnight transformation. It was overnight. It was um, literally overnight. Man's just had a lucid nightmare and was like, you know what? I'm changed. It's I'm like changed he was allowed life. to be an absolute terror to society till he was 80. And then he's like, no, nah, I'm going to be a good man for the remaining like five years I've got left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, you know, he's not living that long. <laughs> like you're, it's the 1800s. Like he is certainly not living much longer than yeah, that. Like, but some bacteria is going to come for him. Oh, yeah. God. He's going to eat like cold gruel one too many times. That head cold. No, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, the cold gruel, not the, the cold, cold gruel. gruel. Uh, yeah. So Ebenezer Scrooge is like, he's the template. He's the template for rich white man doing the bare minimum and becoming the hero of the story. And us praising him for the last two hundred years. Yeah. Like, congrats, man. So then we'll talk about Scrooge's nephew, Fred, which we don't find out his name is Fred till later, because up until he had his like redemption moment, he just referred to him as my nephew. My nephew. This is Scrooge's nephew, (laughs) which I thought was cool, which he also did that with uh, Bob, too. Like for like three seconds, I did not know who the Cratchits were. Then I was like, oh, it's Secretary Bob. Yeah, because he's like my clerk, my clerk. My nephew. He's like, yeah, okay. Oh, Maybe it's Bob. Okay. Actually, actually, 
that's kind of showing like his self-centeredness. Yeah, I actually read that okay. down. I was like, okay. wow, that does add on to his redemption. Like it shows how he was keeping everyone at a distance. Yeah. And again, pulling the Ron Swanson didn't even bother to learn their name. Yeah, I had to like um, say that out loud to get it, but I get it now. Yeah. Isn't that fun? <laughs> anyway, Scrooge's nephew, Fred, he refers to him as a very handsome young man. Yeah. Which he only calls men handsome, which, again, I'm going to talk about this later. Actually, I'll talk about it now. Scrooge, yes. I am pretty sure, before we move on to Fred, I'm pretty sure Scrooge is a closeted gay man. Yeah. And that's partially why he didn't fight for his marriage, because he didn't actually love his wife. Yeah. Um, so I've written down a couple things here. So... He uses his nephew as falling in love as an excuse for everything. He's like, why would you fall in love with a mm-hmm. woman? Yeah, he was and like, why like, would you get married? You're an idiot. Yeah, it's like, yeah, for sure. Um, he When the two men came in, he described them as portly and pleasant to behold. Oh, I, was like, I cute. that little gem. Um, he lived in the chambers that once belonged to his deceased partner. Yeah. And I was like, I don't understand any other reason why you would do that. Where were you living before? Like, it had to not have been as good as, re- like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So it's like partner or part- partner. You know what I'm And saying? then when he was talking about Dick, the other. Oh, the other apprentice. A, 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 I almost said intern. The other apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> he kept saying how Dick was very attached to him and how they slept together underneath the desk in the main office. Yes, which I just took that as them, like, that was their housing arrangement. But, like, I'm not saying they didn't get a little action going down there. So, I do feel like he maybe yeah, wasn't into women. But also, in that time, like, you, that wasn't allowed. Yeah, that wasn't an option. And I agree with, like, um, all of that. The only thing is, like, when he's an apprentice, I don't think he had a choice in the matter, like, where he slept. But... But they were attached to each other. I was yeah. like, why'd you throw yeah. that in there? And then also, like, speaking of the... Um, it's like, yeah, Dick loved me. And, <laughs> Dick's loved me and I love Dick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, speaking of, like, the portly and pleasant to behold men, like, whenever he's a changed man and he goes and, like, donates to the charity, he's like, don't, sh- don't say a word. Just promise me you'll come visit me. <laughs> and the man's like, okay like yeah man sure yeah no like he was into him he was into him (laughs) he's like i have one way for you to get rid of these debts owed (laughs) (laughs) in full oh so um scrooge is prideful in more ways than one anyway moving on to fred so fred is his very handsome nephew and I know he's a baddie. I know yeah. he's a baddie. And his um, uncle appreciated his beauty a little bit. His uncle was like, yeah, you're a, a fucking hottie. Just like my sister. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's Everyone's attractive except for poor people. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, this he's a, an exception because it's his nephew. Otherwise. Yeah, okay. Well, he, because but- he was like, literally, I don't even know how your wife is so hot because you are so poor. <laughs> The thing is, like, his nephew has to be doing well enough, though, because, like, they have staff in their house. Like, right. So but I he, like, like, tried to make it sound like he was, like, poor, poor. Yeah. I don't know. I was a little confused about that because I'm, like, surely not everyone had, like, a, a staff, you know. You know, like, you'd have to have a certain amount. He of obviously money. wasn't as poor as the Critchets. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Cratchits. Like... <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. said their name wrong every 
<laughs> the crackers. <laughs> the crutches. Am I right? Not oh, the, the crutches. The crutches for Tiny Tim. Um, oh. Anywho. Um, but yeah, he just had like very good energy. Apparently, he just had the most glorious laugh ever beheld to man because it was mentioned at least eight times that he had the best laugh. Here's <laughs> my thing. Scrooge's closeted was Charles Dickens closeted because he was like, if you know a man who has a more beautiful, wondrous, perfect laugh than Fred, please like, introduce him to me. I was like, what is this? Fred? profile? Apparently Fred just has it all. Yeah. He has it all. So I don't know why, um, I don't know why Scrooge is being so mean to Fred. He's a little gem. He's TBH. gorgeous and he's fun. I did think it was funny <laughs> that when Scrooge was like watching from afar with the second ghost, Fred was like, yeah, I think I really got to him today. And then like Scrooge showed up the next day. And so I'm sure he was like, yeah, that was all me that just caused this divine intervention. Fred's like, I'm, I'm a sure. fucking God. Yeah. He's probably feeling real good about himself. Wow. Good for Fred. He deserves that little ego. Fred, yeah. You did that. You did that yourself, man. It was all him. Other than that, he was not an important character. No, I mean, he was just... And his friends were weird. Yeah. He had a friend that was, like, actively, like... Chasing harassing. after women? Yeah. Not harassing the plump one. The plump sister. <laughs> um, but then we have Bob Cratchit. And we're, when we're first introduced <laughs> to Bob... <laughs> what did I say? Cratchit. <laughs> Listen... <laughs> We're just gonna start calling Bob. It is everything but Cratchit. Bob. Oh um, my we god. Were, we were first introduced to Bob as just being Scrooge's clerk. Um, and we're made to feel bad for him because Scrooge is clearly unkind. He is leaving him with this lump of coal <laughs> just to keep warm. He's like, uh, good luck to you, man. And then we see him with his family, and it's like, hey, this guy's pretty wholesome. We like him. And he even insists that the family propose a toast in Scrooge's honor. He's like, this feast is what all thanks to Ebenezer Scrooge. guy. And his wife is like, the fuck it is. <laughs> I think the fuck not. <laughs> oh, she's so mad at him. She's she like, fine. So fired up. Because it's Christmas, and because I love you, I will drink to this man's health, but not for him. <laughs> I also thought it was so funny how when he was freezing to death by his single piece of coal um, and then like had what I, th- I guess a comforter is like a coat I would or, like a jacket so. like an but overcoat of some kind Scrooge is like wow he can't even afford a real coat and he probably needs one <laughs> <laughs> he looks real chilly like he looks frozen he, <laughs> he looks dick god damn um, I do love his love for Tiny Tim and the rest of his family. He just seems like a really good father. Um, <laughs> you don't have to answer that question. <laughs> What's wrong with Tiny Tim? <laughs> I don't I had, know. I had an extra question written I in there. That said, What's know. wrong with Tiny Tim? Is he just <laughs> crippled or is there something severely wrong with this boy? We don't know. We're we just not know sure. He's not sure. a little crutch, and he says weird things in church. Okay? <laughs> he says the darndest things in church. Kids <laughs> these tickled days. me. Um, and then we have Jacob Marley, a.k.a. Scrooge's secret lover. I'm sure. He has a pigtail, which is gross. Yeah. 
They probably all did, though. It's the 1800s. Yeah. Um, cuts. Who can afford them? So not he died. <laughs> Certainly not me. Um, so he died seven years ago on Christmas Eve. Um, Scrooge was his only friend, the only person who showed up at his funeral, and the only person in his will. Good for him. Very depresso. Um, and he was also driven by profit and business and uninterested in the welfare of others. Um, obviously it was too late, but he did regret his life choices once he had passed on because he basically has to live his life not knowing peace and carrying around the chains uh, and the baggage of his past life um, and all the mistakes he made, trying to warn others of what's to come. Um yeah. And he doesn't want Scrooge to make the same mistakes. It's like, um, I feel like the description of of what Marley's fate is, is like purgatory. Yeah. Um, They're like an in-between. It's not heaven, but it's yeah. hell. Like it's, and again, we'll kind of get a little more into this. But let me start off with, because this is what you're here for. You're here for the symbolism meat and potatoes of the story so yeah so um we're gonna kick off with some symbols so the dying fire that we just talked about bob was trying to keep warm by a dying fire and after fred visits and gives his little monologue about how his his uncle is a real scrooge (laughs) get it (laughs) um then bob applauds (laughs) and scrooge looks at him like with a scowl on his face and the last of bob's fire dies out um so this symbolizes that was the Scrooge's- last straw. <laughs> it was. It symbolizes Scrooge's lack of warmth and emotion. And the people around him were stoking his fire to see if he would come to life at their Christmas invitations and joy, but he certainly refused, and the fire died. Um. So the fog and cold that was like the first big symbol that I kind of noticed in the book. So multiple times throughout the first stave they talked about how it was foggy and cold and how it just progressively got foggier and colder um up until he met with the first ghost like it was so foggy that that he could barely like see in front of him um and i think that was kind of symbolizing or foreshadowing something dark or that something was going to be amiss um and then once he awakens after the third ghost brought him back, um, it was really bright and sunny outside. And like basically the world had taken on a new meeting for him. Yeah. Another symbol in this book is bells. So bells in general would usually signify like something is beginning or ending like a church service or school. So the church bell specifically, there's a quote where Scrooge, um, he can see from his office window a church. The ancient tower of a church whose gruff old bell was always peeping slyly down at Scrooge. So it feels like he's being judged by this bell um, in the church tower. And he was, it turns out. Um, And then the church bells also signify the arrival of the spirits whenever they are coming at 1 and 12 at night. Um, And also just a little disused bell in the house that started ringing signified the spirit's arrival as well. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Additionally, the door knocker. Um, So a door knocker to me uh, symbolizes entering an unfamiliar place. And that was actually the first place that he saw Marley's ghost. So um, it's the beginning of his spiritual journey, if you will. Um, and then at the end of the novel, we come full circle at the end, whenever he's a changed man, 
As he stood there waiting for the poulterer to arrive, the knocker caught his eye and he said, I shall love it as long as I live. And now he loves the door knocker for what it represents to him. (laughs) I love this door knocker. Do you want to talk about the chains? Yeah, so uh, Marley wore a chain, but so did all of the other, um, I guess, shadows that the, that were out. Um, so once Marley left, um, he went and joined like a host of other ghosts that were also chained by their worldly desires that got them in purgatory in the first place. Which I um, just like imagined like the Haunted Mansion ride whenever all the ghosts are like flying around. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of those people were actually people that they had both associated themselves with in the past. And so I think that was another like eye opening thing for Scrooge because he was like, oh, shit, like people like me are going and having this fate. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically it was made of the materials that ruled their lives. And he pointed out to Scrooge that he was following the same path and that um, basically that's how he'd end up Um, at the end. I thought it was very interesting too how he asked the third ghost, like if I change my ways, will it change my fate? And the dude was like, I'm not going to answer that because Mm -hmm. it might, (laughs) but you've kind of fucked up for a long time. And so I think again, that just kind of like, leaves it up to interpretation like yeah you really shouldn't rely on changing your ways just because you're afraid of what'll come after like you should be doing it because like that's like the right thing to do right um and so Which I think that has not proved to right. us what he's doing and so I think that's why the ghost like never indicated one way or the other because it's like yeah you really shouldn't be doing it just for those reasons for sure so I think, yeah, it's probably purgatory after. Yeah, I agree. They're not like more completely morally bankrupt people. It's not like they're out there like murdering people. They were just like. They're dicks. Yeah, they're, they're just not dicks. good. Yeah. And so I was also going to say like, because the entire time that um, Dickens is like describing these spirits like Scrooge will ask questions about how the spirits work and their answers only led to like more confusion yeah Um, but also I think it stems from the fact that this man was trying to logically explain ghosts in 1843 so like part of it is like you know we can look into it um, but also we can just accept it as it's not really something that is explainable or certainly was explainable at the time mm-hmm. I also think part of it, though, is, like, they almost didn't want to answer it because it's, like, well, we don't need to base things off of, like, our answers. Like, you kind of have to figure it out for yourself. That definitely could be, too. Yeah. I'm not, like, saying that that's for sure not it, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. I think uh, the time period might contribute to yeah. a little bit of the, like, interesting superstitious elements of the book. For but, sure. Like, I I definitely always it's understand. It's like they're ghosts, but they're holy ghosts. They're yeah. godly ghosts. Yeah. And I that went a little bit different places as well. Cause like it there were the ghosts that were like in purgatory, but then they were like the holy spirits, mm-hmm. basically. So anyway, that's actually that's a great segue into my last um <clears throat> symbolism here. So the three spirits. I'm going to break this down by spirit, starting with the past. So the spirit of Christmas past acts like a friend to Scrooge. Um, When they travel, he says, take my hand. 
Um, he shows us a past where we feel sympathetic towards Scrooge. He is a sad little boy who's abandoned at school during Christmas time. He's literally all alone, like just reading by a fire. Like that's sad. And no matter what a jerk Scrooge is now, like looking at that scene, you feel bad for that child. We also see his betrothed rejecting him for who he's become. And of course, it's because of the way he's acting, but it's likely that he's pursuing mm-hmm. this wealth in an attempt to like fill the void of like all the things he was missing in his childhood. Like he was just brought up in this school without his family um, until he's probably a teen, I'm assuming, is when his sister comes to get him. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, like at the time, he's not seeing the error of his ways, but he's clearly sad that he's losing her. So it's like we feel this sympathy for him. Like, I kind of get it, like to an extent, like he took it a little too far. But like, I understand wanting to have like that stability and like that, like financial backing. I think he just kind of lost sight of what it meant to have that. He definitely did. Um, And of course, it sucks that he doesn't realize that and then goes on to become like the biggest jerk in the world. But like the, the first spirit that takes him around, it's like, we feel for him. Like we can see him as someone who has faults, but we have sympathy for him. We can like understand where he's coming from. Yeah. The ghost of Christmas present, however, acts more like a parent so when they travel, um, this ghost says to take my robes. So I just imagine like a little kid, like holding onto their mom's like skirt. Um, and of course the literal like children clinging to its robes as well. Like this, <laughs> I, and we'll talk about kid. how much I hate that. Um, but this, this ghost shows us the present where people are happy in spite of Scrooge. So it's kind of like teaching him tough love. Um, though, Scrooge is unpleasant and hurts them in some way. These people are gladly celebrating the holiday. Bob even shows gratitude towards Scrooge by thanking him for, you know, for giving him a job so that he can afford this meal for his family. Scrooge's family is making jokes at Scrooge's expense, but his nephew does defend him, saying that he has patience for him and pities him. So the ghost of Christmas present is like, look, these people, they want to like you. Like, you help you them could be way. a good person yeah but he's like you're actively pushing these people away from you for no reason because they're they're they would love it if you would just quit being a dick right um it's and like then- he was literally mean for no reason yeah 100 <laughs> um yeah like the, there is no no reason why he just again because it's like yeah you were alone is it just because kid. they were poor it's like it sounded like you were maybe poor at one point I don't know yeah it seems like he was I, he yeah. I don't know I don't know because like I don't they know the schoolhouse so. situation like like was it like a boarding school yeah it's like I don't know how much that would cost back in the day but I'm sure there were different levels like you could probably be in like a boarding school type situation or you yeah. could be in like a I don't know, send your troubled teen away <laughs> type situation. It's like a halfway home for troubled teens. For like, um, they get free labor out of your kid for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, and then the ghost of Christmas future is not in any way, shape or form loving like a friend He's or a spooky. parent. He's spooky. He's a stoic, immovable figure. And he acts more like an angel of death, especially mm-hmm. with, like, the graveyard thing. I think he was supposed to be the Reaper. Like, oh, yeah. He had, like, yeah, like, he was, like, the Grim Reaper. Yeah. 
so he doesn't speak he doesn't show his face or even touch scrooge in fact when scrooge actually grabs the ghost's hand at the end he repulses him away and disappears into a bedpost he's like i have let you come too close (laughs) i must go away now um and so this phantom is showing scrooge the future that he dreads one where he will die alone and people will be glad for it and so the whole time the ghost's hand is like steady as he points, but as Scrooge continues to beg for his life and beg for forgiveness, the ghost's hand does begin to shake. Um, and that at that point, it's symbolizing that Scrooge's true remorse and willingness to do better is being perceived by the ghost of Christmas future. So they each have their own little um, role in teaching Scrooge a lesson it's like one's a friend one's a parent and one is like you are going to absolutely die alone my friend (laughs) good luck one is like um what is that show where they should take kids to prison and like show them uh, them what it's like if they get arrested it's (laughs) tv show isn't it like yeah that's the ghost of christmas future he's like do you want this to be your future let me type in teen prison <laughs> TV show. That'll bring it up, I bet. Uh, Scared straight. Yeah, that's it. That's literally just pulled up. Yeah. I knew I'd get there. Yeah, Scrooge was scared straight, my boy. <laughs> it was a long-winded joke. We're so sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Um, But analysis-wise, that's you know, kind of the basics of what you'll need um, if you do have to write an unfortunate essay or book review of A Christmas Carol. Then I feel um, for you. But we also just want to talk a little bit about some of the things we really liked and some of the things we didn't like. Oh, yeah. Um, some of the stuff we did like, it was not long. Yeah. I really it only took us a, a two hours to read it. Yeah. Um, another thing that I like is not the book itself but the disney adaptation mickey's christmas carol if you have not seen it it's um, so good it's only like 20 minutes watch it in addition to listening to this what i did and not like to write a paper was the second adaptation of a christmas carol with jim carrey <laughs> oh i've not There's seen that one spooky i'll have to watch that one i remember the previews for it also okay we kind of talked about this a little bit but yeah like the things that we liked were the sick burns that Dickens made about bigots. Um, so I actually went on to Wikipedia and I was like, I want more information about his religious background because of this particular novel. I thought it was interesting that he was like, people use religion as an excuse to be assholes. And so Dickens himself disliked a lot of things that came with organized religion, and he openly disapproved of Roman Catholicism and 19th century evangelism due to their extreme views, which he believed deviated from the true spirit of Christianity. So I think our man Dickens was, again, I'm not praising him for doing the bare minimum here, but he was a little ahead of his time. Like, that and you also see that in Oliver Twist quite a bit, too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like he, all of his books are some kind of social commentary. Um, and it's about like being more accepting and giving, um, a Christmas Carol in particular is not the most like thorough, like commentary. Cause again, Scrooge is really underdeveloped, but again, I think he was just writing something short and then it got turned into this (laughs) 
he was like, oh shit. He was like, okay, well, I guess pop off, Scrooge. No taking that back. Um, I already talked a little bit about (laughs) just the absolute dissing he did on Fred's wife. Uh, and we'll talk about that even more here in a minute and the stuff we dislike. <laughs> I just thought it was so, so funny how he's like, literally, how did you do this? Uh, but I was also like kind of getting some Christmas vacation vibes in part of it. So I don't know if you've seen Christmas Vacation. Yes. And if you haven't, you need to watch it. So good. Um, but there's this part like at the end where Clark has gotten like his Jelly of the Month subscription thing. And he's like, what the fuck? And um, basically like, they're like absolutely ragging on his boss and like he says a lot of really similar things that miss uh cratchit does and like cousin eddie goes ends up going and like kidnapping his boss but when they get there like and his wife shows up like they're talking about like all the shit that he did and she was like why would you do that um and like it sounded so much like the dialogue between them at christmas and i was like dude christmas <laughs> vacation like take this maybe from a christmas carol yeah maybe that's the bit honestly I'm not sure, but I love that comparison for sure. Um, I also, <laughs> I loved this part as well when Fred had his, um, and then everyone started clapping moment because he was oh ranting God. about the joys of Christmas and how Scrooge needs to do better and give back to people. And then Bob is just like slow clapping in the other room. And Scrooge it just like, made me think of like every single like post you see on like TikTok or whatever. And it's like, and then my kid stood up and said, you need to stop being a mean person. And then everybody on the plane started clapping like yes. that type of thing. Amazing. That's exactly what happened. And then Bob was like, I'm going to get fired. (laughs) I'll pack my things up. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) I never unpack them, sir. (laughs) Um, Oh, also, it just tickled me a little bit. So at the very end, Scrooge, like, has told nobody else about his wild self-realization except for that (laughs) little boy on the street (laughs) yeah except for that one child um but like bob shows up 18 minutes late he's like i'm gonna get him good and like starts like being like bob step back into my office for a minute i gotta talk to you about your tardiness and then just lunges at him he's like i'm gonna give him a hug and bob was like what the fuck and like grabs for the ruler getting ready to absolutely bash his skull in because he's like i am not getting jumped today he's like i got like 15 kids at home i cannot afford that (laughs) and then scrooge is like actually i'm giving you a raise and he's like oh cool like puts the ruler behind his back Another thing that's just, like, amazing that I forgot to talk about, but, like, the little kid on the street that he sends to buy the turkey. Mm-hmm. When he's yelling down the window to this child, he's literally talking aloud to himself, and he's like, wow, this kid's really pleasant to talk to. What a joy. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, imagine the kid. Unhinged. <laughs> I would not. I think the kid would have, like, just walked away, but he was like, I'll pay you if you go get this turkey for me. And he's like, you know, a buck is a buck. Like, who yeah, he's like, I it? have done worse for less. Um, okay, <laughs> so that brings us to the things we disliked. So, first of all, this absolutely heinous description of Fred's wife. So, I'm going to read word for word. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, let me start it off by um, the the paragraph that precedes the description of her. So Scrooge's nephew, Fred, is, like, telling his wife, he's like, oh, 
Uncle Scrooge, he said Christmas was a humbug. And so she said, more shame for him, Fred, said Scrooge's niece indignantly. Bless those women. They never do anything by halves. They are always in earnest. I love that part. She was very pretty, exceedingly pretty, with a dimpled, surprised-looking capital face, a ripe little mouth that seemed made to be kissed, as no doubt it was. All kinds of good little dots about her chin that melted into one another when she laughed. And the sunniest pair of eyes you ever saw in any little creature's head. Altogether, she was what you would have called provoking, you know, but satisfactory, too. Oh, perfectly satisfactory. Um, Terrible. So that's right the description of Fred's wife. And also, literally any other poor person that came within his eyesight, he was like, they are so ugly. They're not handsome. They're covered in gaudy ribbons, but god damn are they happy to be alive god um and yeah so he gives this glowing review of fred's wife and there's like and then her plump sister (laughs) plump sister oh yeah the way he went after that plump sister in the lace tucker was an outrage on the credulity of humankind yeah um next thing i hated the creepy little demons clinging to the legs of ghost of present And I will again read directly from the book. They were a boy and girl, yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate too in their humility, where graceful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with its freshest tints. A stale and shriveled hand like that of age had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds. Where angels might have sat enthroned, devils lurked and glared out menacing. No change, no degradation, no perversion of humanity in any grade. Through all the mysteries of wonderful creation, has monsters half so horrible and dread. That's they sound the children. <laughs> um. Anyways, that's what I hated. What about you? Um. I just hated that literally half the book was spent describing the way food looked. So, like yeah. when he was describing his gruel. His cold gruel <laughs> on the stove, like so many times, and then, like when they were describing the Cratchit's, um, food, and that fucking goose they've prepared, mm-hmm. I was like, wow! If I read the word goose one more time, I'm gonna throw I'm this gonna, book in the fire. Goose all over, if you know what I mean. Ew. <laughs> i'm I'm in good spirits right now like (laughs) i'm having a great time i am Um, too this book is a travesty (laughs) um and then when they talked about the prize turkey he's like you've never seen a turkey quite like this boy (laughs) like they're gonna be so excited to see this turkey turkey that's as big as me sir and he's like that's the one like it's at least twice the size of tiny tim that turkey (laughs) He really did say that. <laughs> and then also the ghost feast. And he's like, yeah. oh, this looks so incredibly delicious. He's like, wow, let me list off every single item, the texture and the smell of them. <laughs> have you like, all you ever got puddings? Had have you ever had pudding? Time? Now you have. She was uh, very worried about this pudding. Like, ew. <laughs> all in all, listen, not the worst book I've ever read. Again, not I'm the sure best. it was really good. <laughs> first time. Um, the moral of the story, in my opinion, what I think Dickens was going for is don't be a dick. 
treat people with kindness, give what you can, and enjoy the time you have with your loved ones. And he might have certainly stumbled upon some other um, messages that he didn't mean to, but that's okay. For sure, for sure. But no one's going to notice that because it's about God and redemption and Christmas. It's about the Lord and being a good Christian. God bless them, everyone. And also, if you haven't read this book and you have time for 93 pages, you can add this on to your uh, Goodreads reading goal like I did. Yes, because the book is free on Kindle. Like, just free. You don't need to have Kindle Unlimited. Yeah, you can just go get it. Good for Um, you, guys, Yeah, so join us next week as we discuss our reading goals. This is actually going to be the last episode of 2022 next week. Um, So we're going to also reflect on our favorite books of 2022 um, and some of the books that we have on our TBR for the new year. And also, um, we will be covering Crescent City and the House of Sky and Breath in the month of January. Um, They are a little bit longer of books. Uh, They're in kind of the same realm that Akatar is. So if you want to go ahead and get started on those, if you you maybe read a little slower, if you don't have enough time to like just sit down and read them, go ahead and knock those out. Yeah, because the length, I would say, is... Like it rivals that of like a court of silver flames. Like it's pretty long, seven hundred to eight hundred pages. Um, it's good, but it's really long. Yes. So yeah, go ahead and get started on those. We'll talk to you then. And as always, let's get lit. <laughs>